This is Overlapping Insight, episode four. You can probably tell that we're recording outside today, so we'll have a little bit of wind. We overlap the world events and movements with the prophecies and timing of the coming of Christ, including how that will be our source of deliverance, prosperity, relief, comfort, and kindness. We overlap those details with you in your life, how you can be prepared so that you can have power, patience, freedom, vision, choice, and you can respond with kindness no matter what is going on around you. You can see the episodes with each subject section at overlappinginsight.com. On the world subject, we will talk about central bank digital currency, bank bail-ins, negative interest, and destroying the U.S. dollar. On the subject of Christ, we will talk about how the Bible is the Holy Land writings, very small part of the world. What about the other sheep that Christ has and his prophet's writings? I get the privilege of introducing you to new scripture. In other words, writings of prophets called by Christ to other people in other parts of the world over the centuries. On the subject of you, we will talk about seeing all things spiritually. The world. A central bank digital currency is different than the dollar. They will most likely call it the digital dollar, but it is nothing that resembles the cash dollar. A central bank digital dollar is not a Bitcoin or Ethereum that you can trade on the market, but it does follow the structure of the blockchain, which is also referred to as the distributed ledger technology. Here's the big difference. Bitcoin and others are decentralized, private, no transaction tracking, no identity tracking. So here's Jerome Powell, the chairman of the Federal Reserve, member of private bank, not a federal agency. Technological advances also offer new possibilities to central banks, including the Fed. In particular, technology now enables the development and issuance of central bank digital currencies, or CBDCs. A CBDC is a new type of central bank liability issued in digital form. While various structures and technologies might be used, a CBDC could be designed for use by the general public. For the past several years, the Federal Reserve has been exploring the potential benefits and risks of CBDCs from a variety of angles, including through technological research and experimentation. Our key focus is on whether and how a CBDC could improve on, improve on an already safe, effective, dynamic, and efficient U.S. domestic payment system. We mentioned that Bitcoin as a cryptocurrency is decentralized. A central bank digital currency is centralized, even more so. It skips the middleman banks. So here's another difference. Negative interest. You can't get that with the cash dollar. A big difference here too, your money can be dictated to where it can be spent and when. For that matter, don't miss this, your money can be dictated to what? to what you can spend it on. And by negative interest, we mean to say, use it or lose it. If you don't spend some given amount in some given time, then it can be programmed that you lose 10% of your funds. Why would you do that? Why would anyone do that to us? To encourage velocity. Velocity in an economy is how fast a dollar circulates from one transaction to another to another to bolster the economy as needed. So. Connect that capability up with the new ESG credit score mechanism, then your digital money can be connected to your digital score. No privacy, your carbon footprint, your voting footprint, which videos of potential misinformation are you watching? Misinformation, which is to say information that they don't want you to have. Are you being obedient to the social and government narrative?
Do you see that the central bank digital dollar is not much like the cash dollar or your current bank account? Interest can only be as low as zero in our current US dollar system. No one knows when you buy something with cash. They don't know what it is for. They don't know what the dollar went to. With the central bank digital dollar, they can tell who had it. It has a serial number. It can be tracked to who owns it, where it went next, what it was purchased, or what it was used to be purchased. And it is also trackable to see if you need to have your transaction taxable. Whoa, wait, what is the Federal Reserve doing with a .gov site? They're not a government. They are a private bank, as we specifically talked about in episode one. And what is Jerome Powell doing filming his comments with an American flag on one side and a Federal Reserve flag on the other? Same with Lel Brainerd. Is this trying to help us feel good about the Federal Reserve? So Lel Brainerd, in another article, now referred to as Governor Lel Brainerd for some reason, instead of Vice Chair of the Federal Reserve, she was speaking at the U.S. Monetary Policy Forum in New York City in 2022. A CBDC, depending on its features, could be attractive as a store of value and means of payment to the extent it is seen as the safest form of money. This could make it attractive to risk-averse users, perhaps leading to increased demand for the CBDC at the expense of other intermediaries during times of stress. Did you notice that? leading to increased demand because now it looks like it's safer. So what could possibly happen that maybe uh, something could happen to our current system and that would make this suddenly urgent. So it is important to undertake research regarding the tools and design features that could be introduced to mitigate such risks, such as offering a non-interest bearing CBDC and limiting the amount of CBDC an end user could hold or transfer. She's emphasizing here safe form of money. One shoe that I am waiting to drop is a cyber attack. They have already been talking about it, saying wouldn't it be a bad thing if a cyber attack happens? Almost as if they're warming us up to it. Just like they announced the potential pandemic of uh, the crown sickness back in December of 2019, and suddenly we had it in January or February of 2020. So if there was a cyber attack on accounts and credit cards and the financial system in general, wouldn't that answer to the narrative that is being created here that we need a safer form of money? Then the public will be begging for it. Although they are now being lulled away in carnal security to lose their privacy and control of their own money, and wouldn't a cyber attack be a time of stress? Another urgent introduction to a central bank digital currency would be competition with other countries. The United States is currently the reserve currency for the world since 60% of international payments are done in the US dollar. But that has been threatened over the last two or more years. The US dollar hasn't always been the reserve currency and we could lose that ad advantage easily. So one way it could easily be that the Chinese uh, yuan, the, the electronic yuan, digital currency, could take over. So there's an urgency to push that this private central bank should forge ahead to implement it. And all we need is another executive order to suddenly discontinue the dollar and move to a digital currency. Yes, it can happen. Nixon changed this off the gold standard in a day, in a day, a single day with an executive order. Roosevelt confiscated gold, that was in 1933, so Nixon was 1971. Roosevelt confiscated gold in a single day with severe punishment and fines for those who do not comply. We should not put it past any king president who could just announce and sign an executive order and suddenly our dollars are going to be transferred out. And remember, the gold, when it was exchanged out with Roosevelt, he got it all confiscated back in and increased the value from, what, $22 an ounce to $35 an ounce. Why can't the dollar all of a sudden be limited as well? Let's read this. Digital ledger technology has great potential to revolutionize the way governments, institutions, and corporations work. It can help governments with tax collection, the issuance of passports, recording land registries and licenses, and the outlay of social security benefits as well as voting procedures. The technology is making waves in industries such as finance, music and entertainment, diamond and other precious assets, art as well as supply chains. So if we can actually see that these, these disruptions that are going on now, are they not related? 
So keeping all things in perspective, on this Overlapping Insight channel, we overlap the world events and movements with the coming of Christ to better understand at least a couple of things. That we do not buy into a system that enslaves us, such as the world and financial markets and leaning on that false sense of security, but that we should lean on Christ, that we should believe Him and that we should believe in Him. That is eternal life. That is safety and peace. The other thing that the world events and movements help us to understand is that the prophecies of the coming of Christ are being fulfilled with increasing speed. We need to pay attention. I think he really wants to catch our attention, not to, to put us under. He has a better plan, a better system, a better, I mean, we're, even if we're talking politics and finances, he has a better system. And he's already shown that through the scriptures too. So we have yet to talk about the beasts in detail that are spoken of by John the Revelator. Although we have covered some of the characteristics of the beast in these four episodes already, today we get to talk about the new scripture that has been discovered that gives us even more witnesses to the truth of Christ and the truth of the Bible, which just covers the area of the Holy Land. We will get to that right after we talk about bank bailouts. So stick with me. We have already heard about bank bailouts, where the government helps the banks stay afloat with public funds. That happened a lot in 2008 with the great financial crisis. But that is a subject in itself. But what we are talking about is bank bail-ins. As a result of the 2008 global finance crisis and the bailouts that resulted, Europe and the United States have been actively working to avoid future bailouts. Unfortunately, those attempts are being implemented at the expense of depositors. The legislation gives the bank regulators the ability to write down, modify, cancel, and or convert into equity the liabilities of a failing bank before the bank becomes insolvent. Money that is deposited into a checking or savings account is considered an unsecured debt of the bank to the one that actually deposited it. That's what we're talking about here. The result is that the distressed bank's customers may very well become the largest class of shareholders of the distressed bank. Unsecured creditors and shareholders are the next to last and last, respectively, parties to be paid in bankruptcy or liquidation proceedings. This is legal and there's no recourse. There goes your money in the bank in times of stress. So the prophets have warned us to stay safe or safer. We should have a supply of food to sustain us for an extended amount of time. And then we should be out of debt as much as possible, especially consumer debt. Then we cannot be controlled so easily or at all. And so the saying goes, who controls the food supply controls the people. Who controls the energy can control whole continents. Who controls money can control the world. And who said that? Henry Kissinger. So we have every reason to turn to Christ. Gratefully, let's turn to him now. He promised to protect us. He has plans for us. He knows what is going on. Let's keep up with him and know everything we can about him and from him. Christ, this could be a big day for you. If you are feeling close to the Spirit, and if you are ready to discuss additional scripture that is consistent with the Bible, it is consistent because it has to do with people and how Christ, the God of the Bible, has other sheep that have lived and died in other parts of the world through the centuries. Now you get to learn about it. Knowledge is power, obedience is freedom, light and truth comes from Christ our Savior. So here it is, the Tower of Babel, about 2000 BC. What was going on there? Which year was that? The Tower of Babel was built by people that seemed to want to find a way to get to heaven without following prophets or Christ. And there must have been some kind of weakness going on because as we read right there in Genesis uh, that the Lord did not like what they were doing. And remember, this was uh, pretty close to after the flood, so they might have been building a tower as well to avoid that problem in the future. So let's look at the Old Testament of the Bible. This is Genesis chapter 11. This is the King James Version. The people had one language. So that's an interesting distinction. And that's about to change. They found a place to live in the Valley of Shinar. And that's, so that's about in the, where Iraq is today. And uh, wherever you live now, imagine how you would feel if these things were going on around you and your family. So in your city, big city most likely, 
people building a big tower, uh, ignoring God, being wicked in any kind of way that they wanted to. But here it is, Genesis 11. And they said one to another, Go to, let us make brick and burn them throughly. And they had brick for stone, and slime had they for mortar. And they said, Go to, let us build us a city and a tower, whose top may reach into heaven, and let us make us a name, lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. So for some reason, uh, that was wicked in the Lord's judgment, but he did not want this work to continue. So he confounded their language. He made their languages different, even among families and friends. Then they wouldn't be able to continue that foolish work. And not only that, but they were to be scattered, as it says, on the whole earth. So here is a map of the area of the Tower of Babel, about where it would have been. So this is where our new people, our new friends, come in. Even though we might consider a whole people of a population as wicked at times, I want to emphasize that there's always good people, good families. So the Lord is always harvesting, in a way, good people. Let's focus on what we learn about our Savior Jesus Christ and how He is consistent with dealing with His people as He was the Hebrews, because He is the same today, yesterday, and forever. Here's a quote from the writings of these people from the Tower of Babel. Before this particular paragraph, there was a lengthy list of genealogy, and then it mentions Jared. So this is very consistent. So if you read in Genesis, Genesis it was very important that they kept their, their records and their people. So they were very well set uh, in these kind of record keeping, even back in 2000 BC. Very interesting. So here it is. Which Jared came forth with his brother and their families, with some others and their families, from the great tower, at the time the Lord confounded the language of the people, and swore in his wrath that they should be scattered upon all the face of the earth, and according to the word of the Lord the people were scattered. And the brother of Jared, being a large and mighty man, and a man favored, highly favored of the Lord, Jared his brother said unto him, Cry unto the Lord that he will not confound us, that we may not understand our word. And it came to pass that the brother of Jared did cry unto the Lord, and the Lord had compassion upon Jared. Therefore he did not confound the language of Jared, and Jared and his brother were not confounded. So now they could speak. So it was probably interesting if they had their language confounded, how Jared communicated with the brother of Jared in order to, to speak. But then the Lord kept their language the same. Then Jared said unto his brother, Cry again unto the Lord, it may be that he will turn his, away his anger from them who are our friends, that he confounded not their language. And it came to pass that the brother of Jared did cry unto the Lord, and the Lord had compassion upon their friends and their families also, that they were not confounded. And it came to pass that Jared spake again unto his brother, saying, Go and inquire of the Lord whether he will drive us out of the land, and if he will drive us out of the land, cry unto him whether we shall go, and who knoweth but the Lord will carry us forth into a land which is choice above all the earth? And if it so be, let us be faithful unto the Lord, that he may receive it for our inheritance. Do you see what's going on here? This, this is quite interesting to me, that, that there must have been some great communication from Christ to the prophets to teach these people that they would even, that Jared here would even consider that there was a choice land and that they should be scattered. So I'm pretty sure there was prophets saying, coming through and prophesying and saying, if you don't repent and stop building this tower, that you will be scattered. So they knew things. So how was it that Jared had the idea that they might be taken to a promised land? And it came to pass that Jared and his brother and their families, and also the friends of Jared and his brother and their families, went down into the valley which was northward so this is north out of the Iraq area from Babylon. And the name of the valley was Nimrod, being called after the mighty hunter, with their flocks, which they had gathered together, male and female of every kind. And they did also lay snares and catch fowls of the air, and they did also prepare a vessel in which they did carry with them the fish of the waters. This is very interesting. They must have been used to having fish right? Uh, probably close to the ocean there, or to the Gulf. I think it's called the Persian Gulf down there. So now they would be traveling away from the ocean in some other direction. So they actually had the understanding to build containers. I really don't think that their life was much different from ours. I mean, we have cars and electronics, but faithfulness, belief, living, cleaning, dressing, fixing, and building were a part of their lives 
as it is ours in our own way. But still, all the same, we need honesty and faith and ethics and love and kindness and patience. And so they'd have trouble waking up in the morning too and worrying about what's going to happen during the day. So they did carry with them Deseret, which by interpretation is a honeybee. And thus they did carry with them swarms of bees and all manner of that which was upon the face of the land, seeds of every kind. And it came to pass that when they had come down into the valley of Nimrod, the Lord came down and talked with the brother of Jared, and he was in a cloud. And the brother of Jared saw him not. And it came to pass that the Lord commanded them that they should go forth into the wilderness, yea, into that quarter where there never had men been. And it came to pass that the Lord did go before them and did talk with them as they stood in a cloud and gave directions whether they should travel. It came to pass that the Lord did bring Jared and his brethren forth, even to that great sea which divided the lands. And as they came to the sea, they pitched their tents, and they called the name of the place Moriancomer. And they dwelt in tents upon the seashore for the space of four years. And it came to pass at the end of four years that the Lord came again unto the brother of Jared, and stood in a cloud, and talked with him. And for the space of three hours did the Lord talk with the brother of Jared, and chastened him, because he remembered not to call upon the name of the Lord. And the Lord said unto him, I will forgive thee and thy brethren of their sins, but thou shalt not sin any more. For ye shall remember that my spirit will not always strive with man. Wherefore, if ye will sin until ye are fully ripe, ye shall be cut off from the presence of the Lord. And these are my thoughts upon the land which I shall give you for your inheritance. For it shall be a land choice above all other lands. And the Lord said, Go to work and build after the manner of barges which ye have hitherto built, and it really does seem that they crossed some kind of waterways as they went. And they knew how to work with wood, apparently. And, and it came to pass that the brother of Jared did go to work, and also his brethren, and built barges after the manner which they had built, according to the instruction of the Lord. And they were small, and they were light upon the water, even like unto the lightness of a fowl upon the water. So that's very interesting. But that's the way they were commanded to build these. So apparently they're going to be traveling a long ways across an ocean. So there are more specifics about how they were to build the barges. I want to jump ahead to where the conversation of the Lord picks up more personally with the brother of Jared. The boats were lacking light inside. They were so tight and so closed in. Notice that the Lord here doesn't just give the brother of Jared the answer. He wants him to study it out for himself. Ah, so he wants us to think for ourselves, to come up with solutions. So I think he's trying to get us more open to seeking and, and being independent, but still being dependent on Him. So it is interesting that the Lord is so specific that He describes what is going, what it's going to be like crossing the oceans with the strong waves, but He doesn't give Him an answer about the light. He still wants the brother of Jared to figure out uh, what the solution is. And this is what He said. And He cried unto the Lord, saying, so this is the brother of Jared, cried unto the Lord, saying, O Lord, behold, I have done even as thou hast commanded me, and I have prepared the vessels for my people. And behold, there is no light in them. Behold, O Lord, wilt thou suffer that we shall cross this great water in darkness? Isn't that interesting that he says that, <laughs> I, I, I built this as you told me to, but I, I'm not too convinced about the design here, because now we don't have of light. Because these doors shut so tight, you know, for the waters to be all around them in the ocean, that um, it's going to shut all the light out for, for an extended period of time. Uh, and even, probably not even have enough light when the doors were open. Those little, not necessarily windows, but from what they're describing, some kind of a hatch. And the Lord said unto the brother of Jared, What will ye that I should do, that ye may have light in your vessels? For behold, ye cannot have windows, for they will be dashed in pieces. Neither shall ye take fire with you, for ye shall not go by the light of fire. For behold, ye shall be as a well in the midst of the sea, for the mountain waves shall dash upon you. Nevertheless, I will bring you up again out of the depths of the sea, for the winds have gone forth out of my mouth, and also the rains and the floods have I sent forth. In other words, the, the way that he had to create the world is just out of nature that the waves are going to be big and the rains and floods are going to come. Uh, not that he wants to torment them, but that's the way the world works. But he can protect them. And behold, I prepare you against these things, for ye cannot cross this great deep, save I prepare you against the waves of the sea, and the winds which have gone forth, and the floods which shall come. 
Therefore, what will ye that I should prepare for you that ye may have light when you are swallowed up in the depths of the sea? So this is actually interesting. I was just thinking about that right now as I read this, that, uh, that it's almost like justifying that, well, I had to create them the way that we created them so they'd be tight, uh, so they could handle being deep in the water and then come back up again. And uh, So anyway, so now he's saying, okay, so you tell me, what do you want me to do? So, but also look at this. He described windows that would be dashed to pieces. So they had that understanding back then in 2000 BC. And it came to pass that the brother of Jared, now the number of the vessels which had been prepared was eight. He went forth into the mount, which they called the Mount Shelem, because of its exceeding height, and did molten out of rock 16 small stones, and they were white and clear, even as transparent glass. And he did carry them in his hands upon the top of the mount, and cried again unto the Lord, saying, O Lord, thou hast said that we must be encompassed about by the floods, meaning the big waves, that they should be submerged at times, and unable to open the door for light. Now behold, O Lord, and do not be angry with thy servant because of his weakness before thee, for we know that thou art holy and dwellest in the heavens, and that we are unworthy before thee because of the fall our natures have become evil continually. Check that out. He, he was aware of Adam and Eve and the fall and the natures of their, their bodies. So definitely the Lord had prophets and had been teaching these people and, and Jared and the brother of Jared and their families knew these teachings. So this is great. Nevertheless, O Lord, thou hast given us a commandment that we must call upon thee, that from thee we may receive according to our desires. Behold, O Lord, thou hast smitten us because of our iniquity and hast driven us forth. And for these many years we have been in the wilderness. Nevertheless, Thou hast been merciful unto us. O Lord, look upon me in pity, and turn away thine anger from this, this thy people. And suffer not that they shall go forth across this raging deep in darkness. But behold, these things which I have molten out of the rock. We are about to learn something about the Lord, and the promises of relief and greatness ahead that we are also hoping for in the millennium and beyond. So this is why this applies to us. <clears throat> this relationship that we can have with Jesus Christ and how he wants to teach us directly. So let's see what else we have to see here. And it came to pass that when the brother of Jared had these, uh, said these words, behold, the Lord stretched forth his hand and touched the stones one by one with his finger and the veil was taken from off the eyes of the brother of Jared and he saw the finger of the Lord and it was as the finger of a man like unto flesh and blood and the brother of Jared fell down before the Lord, for he was struck with fear. And the Lord saw that the brother of Jared had fallen to the earth. And the Lord said unto him, Arise, why hast thou fallen? Wait, so why was the Lord surprised that the brother of Jared was shocked that he should fall back? I'm thinking that it was up to the brother of Jared to have faith that he should see the Lord's finger. That would infer that someone else without faith wouldn't have seen anything. That's interesting. So how can we increase our faith that we can see the Lord? It, it's really up to us to be close to the Spirit, learn how the Spirit feels, and then learn how to actually receive teachings from Christ himself. And he saith unto the Lord, I saw the finger of the Lord, and I feared lest he should smite me, for I knew not that the Lord had flesh and blood. And the Lord said unto him, Because of thy faith thou hast seen that I shall take upon me flesh and blood. And never has man come before me with such exceeding faith as thou hast. For were it not so, ye could not have seen my finger. Sawest thou more than this? So the Lord, Jesus the Christ, just had a spirit at that point in time in 2000 BC, because in 2000 years, he will then get his body. And after he gets his body, he will then be resurrected. So because he had not yet been born, uh, what does his body look like? But his spirit form was so close to looking like flesh and blood, the brother of Jared confused it with a body and not just spirit. So that can answer a few important questions, that he isn't just some changing being that could be the Father, who has an eternal and glorified body, and the Holy Spirit, which is the other part of the Godhood, who is, who is a person and a character himself, but he is just spirit for that purpose to be able to so we can feel his influence as we live on this celestial world. Do you remember that conversation in episode one? If not, I recommend you go back to see that. So the brother of Jared answered, Nay, Lord, show thyself unto me. And the Lord said unto him, Believest thou the words which I shall speak? 
And he answered, Yea, Lord, I know that thou speakest the truth, for thou art a God of truth and canst not lie. Can we have that kind of faith as well, that anything that we can read in the scriptures, anything that we can read from the prophets, anything that we can start feeling so we can have the mysteries of heaven revealed to us in our own personal revelation, can we have that closeness? I think we can. And we said these words, Behold, the Lord has showed himself unto him, and said, Because thou knowest these things, ye are redeemed from the fall. Therefore ye are brought back into my presence. Therefore I show myself unto you. Behold, I am he who is prepared from the foundation of the world to redeem my people. Behold, I am Jesus Christ. Seest thou that ye are created after mine own image? Yea, even all men were created in the beginning after mine own image. And this is the image of him and his Father, Heavenly Father. Behold, this body which ye now behold is the body of my spirit. And man have I created after the body of my spirit, even as I appear unto thee to be in the spirit, while I appear unto my people in the flesh. And because of the knowledge of this man, he could not be kept from beholding within the veil. And he saw the finger of Jesus, which, when he saw, he fell with fear, for he knew that it was the finger of the Lord, and he had faith no longer, for he knew nothing doubting. So a little repetitive there, but isn't this interesting? The writer says that he had faith no longer, meaning that faith is believing without seeing, but now he is seeing, so now he sees, he has nothing to doubt. Wherefore, having the perfect knowledge of God, he could not be kept from within the veil. Therefore he saw Jesus, and he did minister unto him. And it came to pass that the Lord said unto the brother of Jared, Behold, thou shalt not suffer these things which ye have seen and heard to go forth into the world. In other words, you're going to have to keep these things secret, all these things that you've seen. So apparently there's a lot more things going on that you didn't tell us about. So keep these secret, until the time cometh that I shall glorify my name in the flesh. Wherefore ye shall treasure up the things which ye have seen and heard, and show it to no man. So in other words, these, these greater things are going to be held off until uh, another 2,000 years. But can we just sort of pause? And, you know, this is amazing. If We've got to put ourselves in his shoes there. I mean, we could dwell on these, uh, having seen Christ like this for days in glory and that uh, revel in that glory pretty much. So, so this is consistent with the Bible readings. It may also clarify and be another witness of how the Lord operates and how He is. So now, what can we learn more about what the Lord wants for His people? What is His work? What is the end purpose? Let's skip ahead and emphasize anything we can glean from this. And whatsoever thing persuadeth men to do good is of me. For good cometh of none, save it be of me. I am the same that leadeth men to all good. He that will not believe my words will not believe me that I am. And he that will not believe me will not believe the Father who sent me. Two separate beings. I will show unto you the greater things, the knowledge which he is, uh, which is hid up because of unbelief. So, right there, this is just awesome that we can have this new scripture to help uh, clarify the Bible. Uh, I will show unto you the greater things, the knowledge which is hid because of unbelief. So all we need is belief and seeking and patience and keep seeking and clean ourselves out of our wickedness. Take care of our sins. Take care of our misunderstandings. Go back to people that we've had arguments with. Fix up the things. All this we can have. He continues, Come unto me, O ye house of Israel, and it shall be made manifest unto you how great things the Father hath laid up for you from the foundation of the world, and it hath not come unto you because of unbelief. Behold, when ye shall rend that veil of unbelief, which doth cause you to remain in your awful state of wickedness and hardness of heart and blindness of mind, does any of this sound familiar? Then shall the great marvelous things which have been hid up from the foundations of the world from you, when ye shall call upon the Father in my name with a broken heart and a contrite spirit. So there's some clues right there. Call upon his name, but we need to do it with a broken heart and a contrite spirit. What is a broken heart? What is a contrite spirit? Humility, uh, willing to give up worldly things, even material things, and truly seek after the Father and the Son. Then you shall know that the Father hath remembered the covenant which he made unto your fathers. 
This is specific. These are great instructions. So this is real prayer. Prayer from the heart as we lift our heart up as often as we can during our day. And to have a broken heart. Meaning not a hard heart, right? That won't let things in and a contrite spirit, which means getting rid of pride. Stop complaining like, why is this happening to me? Or, you know, I, I, I don't deserve this. Let's take it. Everything we do for Heavenly Father. So if that's what we need to do, that's what I want. I'm going to leave that on you to figure out any additional answers, but I'll work on that too. For it came to pass, after the Lord had prepared the stones which the brother of Jared had carried up into the mount, the brother of Jared came down out of the mount, and he did put forth the stones into the vessels which were prepared. Remember, there's eight of them. Sixteen stones, so there's one stone for each end, so very organized. And they did give light unto the vessels. That's amazing. And thus the Lord caused stones to shine in darkness, to give light unto men, women, and children, that they might not cross the great waters in darkness. And put yourself in that story. Because can you imagine not only being in that small ark, and I'm pretty sure they had times when it was peaceful on the waters and they could maybe go out on top maybe, or at least look out. But, uh, but also seeing those stones that actually gave light, would that not help you keep faith in, in God that does miracles, uh, things beyond our understanding. And it came to pass that when they had prepared all manner of food, that thereby they might subsist upon the water, and also food for their flocks and herds, and whatsoever beast or animal or fowl that they should carry with them. And it came to pass that when they had done all these things, they got aboard of their vessels or barges, and set forth into the sea, commending themselves unto the Lord their God. Uh, unless they were driven forth, 344 days upon the water. Talk about needing patience for all that time and hopefully having enough food. And I do wonder if they weren't able to fish along the way. That's possible. And they did land upon the shore of the Promised Land. And when they had set their feet upon the shores of the Promised Land, they bowed themselves down upon the face of the land and did humble themselves before the Lord and did shed tears of joy before the Lord. So they didn't forget him. They didn't get all over, over burdened with all that trip. They, they kept their faith because of the multitude of his tender mercies over them. And it came to pass, they went forth upon the face of the land and began to till the earth. And Jared had four sons, and they were called Jacob and Gilgah and Maha and Orihah. And the brother of Jared also begat sons and daughters. And the friends of Jared and his brother were in number about twenty and two souls. Sounds like they were twenty and two when they left the Tower of Babel. And they begat sons and daughters. But they had eight vessels. Makes me wonder how big they are. But they were able to fit those in, them in, and the animals, and food. So, we can't cover all things here, but let's jump ahead here where it says, Wherefore, whoso believeth in God might with a surety hope for a better world, even a place at the right hand of God, which hope cometh of faith, maketh an anchor to the souls of men, which would make them sure and steadfast, always abounding in good works, being led to glorify God. If we just had that scripture, let's keep that one close to us, that would define everything we're trying to do on Overlapping Insight. I just can't seem to want to stop talking about these scriptures. Aren't these awesome? They show us not only more truth about faith, hope, and charity, but that there are other sheep of Jesus Christ that he works with. So, as the world is changing and we're being prepared to be a better world, it's going to look like we're going to have an ugly world. We are inside now. I hope you didn't mind the wind and the microphone at times. I could talk over this new scripture for much longer, but all we have time for is an introduction like this. I'm going to leave it to you, though, to discover additional scripture like this on your own. It will be a great discovery that will be quiet and personal and revealing. In fact, I hope that you will get close to the Spirit and that you will hunger and thirst after righteousness, that the Lord will start revealing the mysteries of heaven to your heart and mind. Then you can know more about this kingdom of God that will be born. We talked about the woman in the sky and that kingdom being born. Or is it already? The world will mock it and put it down. The world, has, as well as Satan and his angels, will try to destroy it. If your heart is prepared, then you can find it and accept it. So uh, remember the scripture, 1 Thessalonians 5, 2-6. 
For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they shall say, Peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as to fail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness, that the day should overtake you as a thief. You are all the children of light and the children of the day. Of course, they're speaking here to the listening and faithful disciples of Christ at the time. We are not of the night, nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. So look for the church of God that will have living prophets again. That's what needs to happen before Christ comes. Like Peter, James, and John. A church with 12 apostles with authority and the order of God. Or in other words, the authorized priesthood with the keys to guide the work. Just like Moses and Noah and others, Melchizedek, you know, in the past. So let's talk about the you subject. How can we apply our talk about the central bank digital currency and its related dangers of dominating control and connect that to the talk about Christ and how he works with groups of people throughout the centuries, wherever they may live, consistently. One connection that I can make is that Satan fights against all good and he wants to have dominion over all things. Satan wants to take away our freedoms. He's selfish. He wants anyone and everyone to be miserable like he is because Christ is the opposite. He will lift us and give us peace. Here is a thought that I have known about since I was a teenager. This describes more about what Christ can do for us if we will let him. Come closer to see this. Too close. Okay, good. This is one of my favorite thoughts that helped me get through college late in my years. Well, 30, I guess that isn't way too old. It helped me get through raising young children and all of those challenges. But maybe it's better that I should throw it on the screen and I'll read it to you. Men and women who turn their lives over to God will discover that he can make a lot more out of their lives than they can. He can deepen their joys, expand their vision, quicken their minds, strengthen their muscles, lift their spirits, multiply their blessings, increase their opportunities, comfort their souls, and pour out peace. This is an awesome quote to have. I'm gonna have a link in the description down below so you can uh, see what that is. So our subject on you today is seeing all things spiritually which is principle number four in the book, Overlapping Insight, which simply speaks of gospel principles and action where the rubber hits the road in everyday life. You can get this book in PDF format or audiobook for free. Notice the books menu option at the top of the website. I'm showing that on the screen right now. Nothing on this channel is for sale. You can't buy this book anywhere. You can't even buy it from us. On overlappinginsight.com, you can download it for free or listen to it right there. We also do not monetize this YouTube channel in order to avoid prescraft. You can choose the PDF link there or the audiobook link, which will download a zip file of MP3s. Or you can also click on the chapter link and then choose a chapter or principle and listen to it directly. There is a shield that protects us, but sometimes we don't take it with us. We put the shield up when we are spiritually focused. Praying in the morning and reading the scriptures or listening to the prophet's words so that we can hold the truth of the various spiritual matters in our hearts will help us so that the spirit can testify of the truthfulness that we are fostering in our mind and our heart. Then we can have the shield. Otherwise, we can fly off the handle of the next problem that we are not even prepared for and the adversary can start pounding on us with the various enticements that he knows that we hate and we will continue to lose the spirit until we're just kicking against the brick wall. So with the shield of spiritual and internal insight, we can plow through many obstacles. Watch for answers by paying attention to the thoughts and feelings that come into our minds. Over time, we will learn to recognize these as promptings. A person, let's read that, a person may profit by noticing the first intimation of the spirit of revelation. For instance, when you feel pure intelligence flowing into you, it may give you sudden strokes of ideas so that by noticing it, you may find it fulfilled the same day or soon. Those things that were presented unto your minds by the spirit of God will come to pass. And thus by learning the spirit of God and understanding it, you may grow into the principle of revelation until you become perfect in Christ Jesus. 
So doesn't that fit in with hearing him and getting ready for the millennium as we talked about in episode one? So developing this capacity helps us gain testimonies and become the means for obtaining additional inspiration in the future. Are we really understanding what it means to be able to see all things spiritually? I suppose that principally we would consider that all the experiences or problems that we have must have some eternal purpose. That's a good start. Another step closer to an understanding may be that we plan our efforts and intentions in serving God in the ways that we may be inspired. Since we are eligible to have personal revelation, if we seek it through the Spirit. And if your eye be single to my glory, your whole body shall be filled with light, and there shall be no darkness in you. And that body which is filled with light comprehendeth all things. Therefore sanctify yourself, that your minds become single to God. I've had uh, one listener call me directly to ask for more specific details about what she could do to see things spiritually and really make a difference for herself. We have spoken in previous episodes about using enticements to remember to raise your heart to heaven. And so enticements are things that bother us or that we get excited about or just get our attention to remember that let's, let's have our prayer raised to our hearts in prayer raised to Heavenly Father, even in silent. I could be silent speaking to your Heavenly Father and thanking Him for the things around you and asking for things you need. He needs you to ask in the name of Jesus Christ. Look for the positive. Acknowledge the great creations that are around you that prove that God exists. The creations are before us like in a quiet dignity that testify of our Creator. So let me tell you a story, a true story with a rather, to me, a very funny ending. So I was working at home. I was uh, still a, uh, a young father. I guess my oldest child was probably nine. So I had at least three that would play together. So nine, seven, and five, I guess. And that number three child was a problem causer, I tell you. <laughs> he, he, he was one that would knock his head on the floor and my wife and I just knew that we had to love that out of him. So one day I finished my work early. I'm pretty intense with my work, but in my office, I put my computer down and I heard them quarreling and I knew this particular boy, number three, was just causing problems. So I thought I'd have some fun. And this is when the moments, because I didn't always get this, but I was starting to get this. This is the time when I was understanding uh, these principles uh, of really becoming spiritually centered in Christ. Where the rubber hits the road. This is exactly what we're talking about in the book, Overlapping Insight. So you'll, you'll see this story in, in, the, in the book as well. So it's called Taking a child on a torture or something. So I walked out of the room, went down the hall, I called my boy, his name is Andrew, and I took my hand and I said, out to the car. And I was stern, out to the car. And he was really sheepish and, you know, didn't know what was going to happen. But, you know, he wasn't, we didn't have the habit of hitting or spanking. So he went out and I followed him out to the car, got him in his car seat, and we went down the road, and I was still a little stern, and he was just saying in his sheepish voice, he said, what are we doing, where are we going? And I said, we're going to a movie, and we're gonna to go to your favorite place to eat lunch. And he just got a big smile on his face, and we did. So there was a dollar movie down uh, in one city away, probably five miles away, and went and chose a movie, went and had a fun time eating. And then, because I was able to connect to him, we were able to talk. And I was able to ask him what went wrong when he was playing with his two siblings, his brother and his sister. And he was able to tell me. And can you not think that that would have a much greater impact on him that if I came in with some degree of rage and spanking him and getting him in trouble, he would think, you don't understand, you know, he, he was probably feeling like the victim. But it's those kind of approaches uh, that I, can, I think can help our children. And so if our hearts are softened and we can have a clear mind and have these ideas, is that not personal revelation? 
having the Spirit with us, seeking after truth and light? I think so. So, <laughs> when we got home and my daughter found out what, what I had done, she was livid. What? She said, you took him on a torture and you went and played? And she has not to this day let me live that down. But I must say that is such a greater impact. And it is not fun as a father to hear your children bringing up memories of you sternly sitting that child down on a countertop to pull their tooth out. It, you know, it's just very loose and they, they're traumatized. But the other is we can accentuate the positive and talk on a, almost an adult level with our children as we can. And I, I think they feel that. They, they feel truth. They know they're smarter than we, we think. Their spirits are as old as ours are. So I think it's awesome. So uh, your mission, if you choose to accept it. In the circumstances of the day, overlap your spiritual world over the temporal world. See all things with an eternal perspective. Think as Christ would think. Feel as he would feel. Speak to others as Christ would speak with love and kindness. Do as he would do when dealing with people in business, church, in your family, or in the neighborhood. On the world subject in episode 5, we will be talking about the ESG credit score, loans, business interaction, obedience, and no privacy. On the subject of Christ, we will talk about life after death, near-death experiences from a, a, a study from a book called uh, A Glimpse Beyond Death's Door. I have read near-death experiences in my younger life, and I've, I've felt that they're very consistent. The ones, some that I read, are very consistent with what I understand of eternal life. Others I really had to worry about, but you can feel those that are just maybe a little more for show than not. So by the Spirit, we can know these things. But it's just amazing. I think these experiences of other people reveal what's on the other side, the love, the kindness. So we're going to talk about that, and I think that's uh, significant. On the subject of you, we will talk about using enticements for spiritual growth. Until episode 5, I look forward to it. <laughs>